six-pack Lapidat, Paul Marin's in, and my dear friend, how are you doing? How are you feeling this morning? Usual? Hungover? The usual, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like, it feels, because we do this on Sundays, every damn time we talk to each other on this oh. podcast, it should just be, how you feeling? You hungover, man? Because I'm always hungover on Sundays lately. I... I'm going to blame the time of the year as well. Like it's 100%. In the, and you know, it's weird. In the summertime, I wasn't having cocktails. I wasn't drinking. I took like, because I had to cut like 20 I was going to say, now that way I think about it, in the summertime, I was like this too. So you, I can't really blame the time of the year. Yeah. yeah. But now last night I had a Christmas party, so it was... Oh, snap. Your work one? No, I was, actually, I just had some friends over for a while. Oh, gotcha. So, was, so what did you guys end up doing? Oh, it was... I obviously cooked. I was testing out some new dishes. Um... What'd you cook? You just you just want to get an all in on this. Get it. I made a uh, fresh pasta. I did oh. like a meat course. Of course you did. Yeah. I, of course you I made a pasta. <laughs> of course the Italian guy made fresh pasta. And how late did you stay up having cocktails? 2 a.m. Oh, wow. All the time everything died down. Did you guys go downtown and everything? No. Was it anybody I knew? It was yeah, everybody that except from you guys. Sorry. Okay. I didn't. I didn't invite. I didn't invite you. I didn't want to. Oh, nice. I, didn't, I didn't want to call that out on this. But oh, good. Well, that's uh, it's, it's, it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. I watched so, the. Uh, yeah, I had all the gym guys over. Yeah. Um, we thought about inviting you. It was. And it just got vetoed at the last minute. Good. Yeah. Um, I watched the Deontay Wilder uh, Tyson Fury fight last night, and boxing can't help but get in front of itself. Like this is why it's losing so many fans. Um, so Deontay Wilder, for those who don't know, okay, for or Tyson Fury, sorry, for those who don't know, this guy was the undefeated world champion um, in boxing, beat Vladimir Klitschko, who was champion for like 10 years in a huge upset, um, and then was rich, young, famous, and all of a sudden had a mental breakdown. And gained, like he, he became, like he started doing drugs, you know, start self-medicating. Started doing drugs, having these anxiety attacks, no idea why. He had the world, like everything you could ask for. The guy's like seven feet tall, just like um, he has it all. And um, just lost his mind, literally lost his mind. Bloomed up to 400 pounds. Had to go into like psychiatric, like, because he became suicidal. He didn't yeah. know why. He didn't know what the fuck was going on. He wanted to end his own life. He almost ruined his, his marriage. He was, because he was like cheating, because he's self-sabotaging. And he didn't know, they asked why. He's like, I had everything and I have no fucking idea why I was, I just wanted, I just wanted to self-sabotage myself. So, um, he ended up losing his title, not boxing for like three years, almost died, uh, several times, almost killed himself several times. And while he was gone, Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua, these other heavyweights come and in boxing, they got like three or four world championships. So they're split up between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua in the UK. So... So Tyson Fury starts launching a comeback. And he officially announced that he's 400 pounds. And yeah, I'm going to come back. He's big, huge, fat, out of shape. And his comeback, he knocks off two guys, um, kind of easy tune up fights, and then ends up fighting for this title. And everybody's like, this is a, a phenomenal comeback story. Likely going to yeah. end here. Because the guy he's fighting, undefeated, 40-0, 39 knockouts. So only one guy's ever gone the distance. And um, it's, it's uh, in terms of a matchup, two undefeated world champions in their prime facing each other. But one dude is coming back from hell. Yeah. He, he said he's like, it was hell on earth. 
when his parents are like describe it, he's like, I can't describe it. when it's mental, when it's in your head like that, you can't get away from it. There is nothing you can say, nowhere you can go, you're bringing it with you. He wanted to kill it. Like he was, he, he can't, and they're like, why was it hell on earth when you were like young, rich, famous? He's like, I can't describe it. It just is what it is. So he came back and uh, people were like, is he coming back too soon? Whatever. And a lot of people, even his opponent was like, you know, it's, it's too bad. I got to do what I got to do to old boy because... I'm going to have to knock him the fuck out like I do everybody. But his story's remarkable. People are wording it already as, well, he's a winner already regardless because he came back and he's, he's from yeah. where he was, right? So um, they fight, and damned if Tyson Fury doesn't turn back the clock and box the shit out of Deontay Wilder for 10 out of 12 rounds, turns it back, and everybody's like, oh my God. The two rounds he lost were the only two times Deontay caught him cleanly and dropped him. The last one was in the last round, dropped um, Tyson Fury flat on his back. Tyson Fury is so far ahead on the scorecard, or should be at this point, dropped him flat on his back, looked like Tyson Fury was knocked out, and, and everyone's like, oh my God, this would be the greatest come from behind victory if, if uh, Deontay yeah. Wilder pulls it off. Tyson Fury, like the Undertaker from WWE, eyes open, pops back up, and everyone's like, how the shit, and, and actually attacks Wilder and has Wilder on the back foot. And people were like, this is not tonight. It's just his night. Yeah. Nothing is going to stop him tonight. And um, I'm not wishing I watched this fight by Oh, it was phenomenal. It's, it was phenomenal. I'm glad you didn't invite me. Um, so, I was pretty nice. You're right. So, uh, so the decision comes, like the bell ends. And everyone's thinking, and, and when I say everyone, because online they have round-by-round round round scoring and stuff and yeah. discussion. And everyone's thinking, like, well, that should be that. But it's boxing. So everyone's holding their breath, but it's boxing. And Wilder, you could tell the expression on his face. He's like, fuck, man, I got pieced up in there. You know, that was my big yeah. thunderbolt. Landed it. Guy got up. All right. Well, that was, that was me trying to save it. And uh, Wilder, or sorry, Fury, is running around the ring extremely ecstatic. The crowd's ecstatic with him. One of the best sports comeback stories you're going to have this year for sure. The judges call it a draw. <laughs> and nobody loses. Yeah. And maybe we have a rematch. Now, just to tell you, like, well, six-pack, are you being biased? Online, they have online polls for all the, like, thousands of people rushing in and, and, and voting. The, of the polls, the lowest... Poll I saw for a while for Fury, Tyson Fury winning was 75% of the people say. And it's gone as high as 88% saying Tyson Fury won. So like the overall, and then the other the other 25 to 12% aren't saying Deontay Wilder won, and the second highest would be draw. So the overwhelming uh, majority of people are like, dude, what's yeah. going on here, right? Um, and it's just, it makes you, we don't have to suffer these kind of things in powerlifting. No, it's I mean, far pure, isn't it? The closest you can come is like having a bad call on depth or whatever. But and even then, or, they would have to bad call you three times in a row to yeah, rob you. Exactly. Like he got robbed of a win. Like, and, and even I, I think. So, why do you think that is? So? Why? Why don't we have these? Is it because money and it's corruption in boxing? Oh, I would say it's got. Anytime you've got like the type of purse that boxing has, yeah, like millions, 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 and millions, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. Yeah, you're gonna have this type of issue. Yeah. And I, and, and I think if we started getting into money, that's when you start seeing or... Yeah. I, don't, I wonder what kind of... Because we don't have to deal with this kind of crap. No. There's the closest... If, if a score call doesn't go your way, it's still close enough. Yeah. And 
there's no clear, I've never <laughs> once in powerlifting see situation where you're like, they were going after this guy for whatever reason. At least for our federate, like our federation, like in the IPF. Yeah. I don't know about some of the other feds. I mean, I know there's been... Well, I watch, like, look, there's reposting King List. I repost, well, like, everybody, like, big dogs, US Open. I've never seen. Now, could some of the flow... Look, there's, there's competitions all year round. But if it, look, if it's not that big, like, we're not talking a local meet. This judge hates that lifter at a yeah. local level. That well, no, I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about, like, more... I would say, like, for our sport, you could almost say there's not corruption, but there's more leniency and bias towards... The other way, like I know, I think it was last year, there was an under, a sanctioned meet, I can't remember who was the meet director, mm-hmm. where there were some world records broken at the time, but on like blatantly high squats and stuff like oh, that. Oh, a few, this is a few years this ago. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, well, like things like that, but that's kind of, see, that's where but, I, you have certain feds have certain rules saying, we're not going to allow people to break records out of nowhere yeah. type deal. Uh, like, it's got to be at an international level with international judges who will be unbiased. Can't be meet directors or friends with lifters are. Everyone's from the same place. Yeah, And then you're exactly. all kind of like, look, at, we're going to have a wicked But day. in terms of things like, no. Like, in terms of like ripping someone off. Like ripping somebody like off. Like rigging it, it like that. It doesn't happen because what, what the fuck would the point be in our yeah. state, right? Yeah. It'd just be... It would have to be like personal bias and then you got things like juries and everything else you can go to like... Yeah. Yeah. And I don't see... Like, it would take a lot of money. To approach an, like any kind yeah. of judge and be like, here's half a million dollars. Okay. All the other guys' squats are going to be high. Who's number two? You're number yeah. one? Whoever's number two, all the squats are high today. Sorry. <laughs> like that, you know, then, like, ha- hey, half a million dollars, I'm swaying. You know, guess what? It's not, it's not your day, son. I'm doing it as well. Yeah. <laughs> it's not your day, son. It, it let's, is, let's, let's be honest. If I'm 10 bucks, I'm swaying. <laughs> but it's, doesn't take much, it doesn't take much to buy me. That's where, like, yeah, I mean, when we say this, I'm so upset and rattled about the boxing match and the judges, but then it's like, how much were they paying the judges? How strong integrity are you? Yeah. Someone walks up and be like, I'm about to make your day. You want a million dollars? You be like, You don't have to rob them. You just got to call it a draw. You don't even have to say you lost. So that we can promote just this. Just say you didn't win. So we can promote this as Rocky Two, basically. Yeah. And um, so anyways, everyone's, um, Tyson Fury's from the UK. And uh, Deontay Wilder is from the U.S. And everybody is like, Tyson, you better take this back to the U.K. Because it's, it's the commissions that appoint the judges. And then from there, whoever approaches the judges, blah, 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 if you're paying people off. We're yeah. just assuming. We're assuming this. Based off of the numbers on how many people said yay or nay who won, what are the you almost These guys are professionals. You've almost got to expect that the promoter or whoever was actually in charge of the fight. It was just like, you guys got to call us a draw because we're going to get more money out of this. And we're going to have a rematch. We're going to have a rematch. Everyone makes more money. After seeing how good the fight was, like partway through or whatever, like who knows, right? I don't know if you'd approach it during the fight because that looks really obvious. They're they're there ringside, the judges. So everyone would watch the promoter go to each judge. I don't think you'd do it during the fight. It'd have to be beforehand. Like, look, at worst, like give give me something where we could have a rematch. Yeah. And we'll all do it again. We'll all make a lot of money again. You know, let's, let's do it again. As long as it's close. But if you think, like, if it, you're doing that, you're doing it before the fight, like, what if the fight's a complete draw? Like, what if it's, like, a complete lopsided well, I'm, I'm one-punch KO first round? Like, you know what I mean? Well, no, then like, you, there's nothing you can do. I think it's, I think it'd be, um, look, if this bad boy goes a distance. Yeah. Then, then let's make it happen. Because honestly, I'm not joking. 10 out of 12 rounds, he won. And draw. 
the dude was like, what am I supposed to? Guys yeah. like Lennox Lewis, um, Floyd Mayweather went to the press and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. This is stupid. Uh, it makes us all, it makes boxing look terrible. And there's no way this is a draw. We know it wasn't a draw. There'll be a rematch. Let's hope it's in the UK. Like everybody, all the big names of boxing are coming up and you're like, yeah, okay, that wasn't a draw. Yeah, when you got all the big, like the former stars and current stars of your yeah. sport coming out yeah. and saying that as well, it's starting to make you look bad. And you can't, you don't even know how to yeah. justify that. But, uh, yeah, it was just bad just because in terms of a sports story, like, I don't even care if you like boxing. Um, you lo everyone loves a comeback story, underdog story, because he's an underdog. And, and the comeback story, this would have been the comeback sports story, regardless of boxing, sports period of the year, no doubt. I can't think of another one. With a guy, like, you have injuries, and then you have a guy who's literally on the verge of, like, he had a total yeah. mental breakdown. You should see some of the posts he was making while having this mental breakdown. He was like walking, as, I think he just started running and like, people were like, what are, you run, what are you doing? And he's just having a pain in the cat. He's I don't know, I don't know what's going on right now. It's like impending doom, but there's nothing coming. And he's trying to explain it and he's running yeah. up the street, losing his mind. And he's like a seven foot, 300 pound massive man yeah. who's just losing his mind. He's like, I can't even explain it to you. Well, no, anybody who's ever dealt with anything like panic attacks, anxiety, depression, like, yeah. they know that it's completely irrational. You know yeah. what you're thinking makes no sense. Yeah. But there's no coming away from it. And and um, there's levels to it. Yeah. Obviously, he was at level like 10. Yeah. Where he was like, he had to be, I think he had to be institutionalized. He was certainly with professionals. Like he was he was all on suicide watch the whole night. He was like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, became turned into drugs, trying to change. You do anything to try well, to Well, yeah, you do stop. anything to try and make a stop. Yeah. And, uh, and then he starts self-sabotaging and whatever. It's crazy to hear his interview. So the fucking Rob Hame is what gets people yeah. rattled. No, exactly. Like. You hear a story like that, and all you want is the guy to finally get... And he won. Just to walk away with it, get the win. Yeah. And he actually... The story would have been complete. Yeah. There's your movie. And at the end of the movie, they call it a draw. Well, yeah. It's like... <laughs> exactly. It's like, you can't... Boxing can't get it right when that happens. You have an Academy Award winning movie right here, guys. And at the end of the movie, we call it a draw instead of the right guy wins. But, um... It is what it it's, is. I mean, yeah, there's no changing it now. But no. The, the best you could do is do a rematch, and uh, hopefully it's in the UK, and hopefully they get it right this time. Now, watch. They rematch, and Deontay Wilder lands the punch, knocks him out. That's the problem. Yeah. And it doesn't rewrite history. What happened happened. Tyson should have got the decision. Yep. You know, it's not all, well, it worked out the way it was supposed to work out. No, not really. But uh, anyways, um, so that's what I did last night, and also had cocktails, so I'm a little on the road myself. But uh, today we got um, Andrew House, who is uh, Eric Lillybridge protege, and a lot of people are big on Andrew House. If you've seen his training videos, you've seen his competition videos, um, I mean, not only is it Eric Lillybridge, who's a super heavyweight, um, but for him to take you on as a mentor, and, yep. you know, it, there's going to be a little bit more attention <laughs> to you, depending on who your mentor is. And a lot of people think, like, Andrew House was a teenager, smashing, like, crazy weights. And Eric Lillybridge was commenting, saying, look, at I, this kid's way above where I was when I was his age. Like, in terms of... Which is pretty high praise in our sport. That's very that's high praise, yeah. You can't, you can't get much higher. No. And um, so, in Andrew House, since then, now I think he's around 20, 21 now, maybe he's 20, shaved his head, huge dude, and people are like, man, he's starting to even look like yeah. Lillybridge. Like, he's totally morphing into possibly the next Eric Lillybridge, which obviously is going to have people excited um, at one point, the two Lily Bridge brothers were like rewriting all the, the record books. Yep. And um, I think, I mean, obviously now you got 
some other big names that are entering into forays. So I don't know if it's still like that, but certainly the top of the top, top big dogs. And, um, and we have Eric House who's coming up now being groomed. And it's kind of exciting to see. You know, sometimes... I like how you said Eric House, by the way. It's like you're morphing him now in your own mind. <laughs> or sorry. Yeah, Andrew. Wow, I didn't even catch that. You're like, was, yeah, yeah. So anyways, we got Andrew Lillybridge. That's right. That's right. But um, it's exciting when you see a guy and you catch him as a raw goods as a freaking teenager and watch him progress into something. Like if he yeah. does turn into the next Eric Lillybridge. And you know, that's... I wonder how he... We can ask him, obviously. How he deals with those kind of... Comparisons, that's, that's hard. That's got to be a lot of pressure. However he turns out, he's his own man, obviously. But when you see him as a teenager progressing and morphing into possibly a world record breaker, a world contender anyways, it's kind of cool. Like, not all the time you get to see this and catch them like that, and they get that kind of attention. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, one of our previous guests, uh, Matt Sonder there. Yeah. Getting to watch him. Yeah. Being and, an 18-year-old just smashing weights. And, and all of a sudden, he's getting yet stronger and stronger, and you yep. watch him grow and watch him morph into what he is. The thing is, though, I feel like um, Andrew's got, like, he had hype as a teenager already, like, um, people were already saying he's the next. Where Somner, they were like, because he was a little, he's predating, like, we're talking 2012, predating Instagram and shit, and Instagram's really where Powerlifting took yeah. off. Where I think the pressure now, I can't, I can't imagine being 19 and be like, look, I might peak in six, seven years. Are you guys going to follow me this whole time? And just, it just built, if you're saying this now, like how long is the slow boil going to come? Yeah. Like what's the type of pressure where it's like, holy shit, man. Like that's a lot of pressure to deal with, you know? And, and uh, at the very least, he has Lily Bridge guiding him so he can lean on Lily Bridge. But um, I'm sure there's going to be times where he's got to just lay back a little. As a matter of fact, I was posting him and I think there were times when he said look at I might not be posting as much lately you know because I'm trying to just work yep. without over scrutiny you know and, and you gotta like yeah I get if I'm 19 and I'm trying to work towards a cough I might post a little bit fewer because like, like I gotta well, get no, to work here no I'm getting shit, a little like, caught up I do that I've yeah. got 200 followers yeah. like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm not Lily Bridge's protege so we're, and everyone's saying it's kind of yeah, yeah a hype or what I'm 19 years old too where you're like Hey, man, it's got out of high school, you know, but yeah. um, it's an interesting situation and he's definitely a young rising up and coming phenom and he's already accomplished tons, but uh, it is a lot. He might even make it look by the time I'm 27, which might be my peak. I don't even know if I want, I'm, who knows if I'll be into powerlifting. This yeah. is where you start getting backed into a corner where you're like, do I do this for everyone else? Why am I doing this? You start, if it happens too soon, you start not liking the sport that you loved earlier. When you start feeling like you're doing it for everybody else. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you're like, they're just, it's, you're it's living up like to other people's it's expectations. It's kind of like a hobby becoming a career. That's right. And you're living up to other people's expectations. You're like, damn, this is tough. You know, this is, this is, um, that's where I totally respect that someone's like, I want to back up and just do this for me right now because I'm living for everybody else. But um, let's have this conversation with this kid. Yep. Uh, we'll give him a ring. So we have, we're here and we have uh, Andrew Haas. I've been mispronouncing this the whole time. Um, I've been saying house, which, which like, cause you're a huge, thick dude, so it fits. You know, you're like, that dude's as thick as a house, man. So, Andrew House works, but it's Hoss, right? Or, a, do I have that? I mean, whatever you want to say, man. Sounds good, sounds good. So, we were just talking about, um, I mean, how, uh, we, we've been following you for a while, reposting for a while, and as a teenager, you were smashing some big weights. 
and we are reposting you that. And um, how old are you right now? Uh, I just turned 21. So just, just turned 21. Um, still like, like obviously for powerlifting, extremely young. Guys are hitting like PRs at 40. So for you, yeah. you're like, it's got everything in front of you. Um, and already smashing these kind of weights, being groomed by a guy like Eric Lillybridge, no less, is going to bring you a whole lot more attention on top of that. A couple questions we could ask. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you like how you got into powerlifting, etc. but just how, how was it that you met Eric Lillybridge? Um, somebody tagged me or somebody tagged him in one of my old posts and said something and then he liked it and he started following me probably about over a year ago i mean and then i mean i've loved him for so long like i've watched his videos and like i've looked up to him for so long um but i started messaging him and we hit it off you know he's a he's a really fun guy and eventually you know he he was like man we should train together sometime because I think he likes my music soundtrack. He <laughs> likes my music soundtrack a lot. So I got a lot of the songs I listen to from him. So I ended up flying him down to North Carolina. And we he stayed a couple nights and we trained. You and I pulled 8.05 and he tried to pull 9.26 and he almost got it. I think it was actually the platform that got to him. Uh, it had holes in it back then. Ah, ah. But yeah. So you flew him down? Yeah. Oh, damn. Wow, it. So you're just like, look at man, if you come down, I'll pay. And he's like, all right. <laughs> yeah. That's a big, that's a big deadlift session. Yeah. Oh, shit. It was a lot of fun. No pressure, no pressure. So, um, and now that Eric Lillybridge has kind of become, so he, right now he's your coach. Is that right? Um, he's more of like uh, an advisor. We never really got around to him like sending me programs and stuff, but yeah, he's just a really good friend. He's like a mentor he's almost, a, right? Is that would that be the the proper wording? Is he like a mentor for you? Yeah. Cause he he seems to be all over your Instagram whenever you post, and if we repost you, he's all over the comments um, as well yeah. with people. So you can tell there's something there. And I wasn't sure if it was a, a formal coaching role or just straight up a mentorship, which happens in like all professions. But it's kind of unique when it happens in like a, well, I guess it happens in all sports too. You, you become, you join a football team. The old grizzly veteran takes the young stud yeah. and he's not your coach. He's not the coach, but this is what he does to help groom him because he's been there first. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, it happens in all sports. But yeah. It seems like it's a little bit more rare in our sport to have that sort of... It is, to an extent, eh? unless you're in the same gym. Yeah. But I guess social media should change us, right? So how, so do you guys, how often do you guys converse? Does he give you, like, pointers on things, or...? Uh, I mean, we're always on a group chat, me and him and my friend. But, uh, yeah, I always ask him, or in my meet prep, I talk to him a lot more, like, what I should do for my heavy sessions, discuss with him, so... Mm. So yeah. it is. So it is a little bit on the coaching side. Just a little, little less. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But the guy. But like, sorry, go ahead. As far as like the accessories and like the back down sets, uh, I I pretty much just did that myself. So a guy uh, like a guy like Eric Eric Lillybridge, because um, he's such a big name and holds so much weight in powerlifting, 
And um, the comparisons, man, as soon as you shaved your head, people are like, man, he's starting to look like Eric Lilly Bridge now. Um, is it like, do, do you feel, is it added pressure towards it? Is it, uh, or at times, is it like a negative because of the pressure? Or is it, you know, like, what is that like? Because I feel like at such a young age, people are, especially like the comparisons to him are, are, are close. Are you, do you still hear us right now? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like, is is it? Can it be added pressure to you? Um. No. Not really. You know. I. I. I take it as a compliment, really. Yeah. When people say I look like him, uh, I think you could tell. I mean, you could tell more when I was younger. I would. I would try to like imitate what he does, like even to his breathing and his form and a lot of stuff. But now I kind of realize, you know, we we do have a little bit different leverages. So I can't do like the exact same thing he does, but I still really look up to him and still watch his old videos and his, whatever he puts out now, obviously too. But you know, it's yeah. interesting you say that. It's almost like uh, you know, we, before we brought you on, we were talking about the boxing match last night with Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. Yeah. And um, uh-huh. it's funny how you said how you like were imitating. Um, you know, his setup, how he breathes before he hops in there, whatnot. And like, you see guys of all different sports, like boxers, whatnot, try to imitate the guys that they look up to. And whether or not they actually look at when people are watching, I remember Mike Tyson saying, he he absolutely loved Roberto Duran when he was a kid. Loved, like, loved Roberto Duran. Roberto Duran was a lightweight champion uh, from Panama. Mike Tyson's from the Bronx in a heavyweight. Nothing like Roberto Duran. And he was like, I probably looked nothing like Roberto, but when I got in there, that's who I pictured. You know, like, I felt like, I felt stronger, and I was like... Well, everybody had their idols that they look up to, right? And you're yeah. always trying to imitate it. So, like, as a Canadian kid growing up, like, and playing goalie in hockey... Who are you? Marty Berdur. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> say it like, of course. It's like, who else would you be like? It could have been Patrick Waugh. Nah. If you're, unless you got to be French. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, everybody's got their idol that they look up to in a sport. And as I said, like, that's yeah. just, you try and imitate them, and you, that's how you learn. It's it's not only, uh, like, 100% that's how you learn by watching who came before you, but there's something about a sense of, like, um, almost ease. When you're there the night before a big competition, you feel the nervousness, or the week leading up to, and you, before you go sleep, sleep, you feel the nervousness. When you think about, like, well, how would they approach it? Like, you draw strength from that. You know, when you hear stories, like sports no. stories, or when they to- when they'll hit you up and they hit you some advice, it brings ease. You know, it brings calm when you think like, or when you picture yourself like that. You know, there's something uh, calm about, that's why people post these Muhammad Ali quotes. Yep. You know, because you feel, you feel stronger. You take, you take strength from what that person did before you. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of the beautiful things about like all sports, right? Is, uh, is that, you know, we'd love to have Eric on here sometime um, because he's, he's smashed, like him and his brother smashed so many world records and kind of led the charge. Um, how did you end up picking, getting into weightlifting? Uh, like powerlifting or just lifting? And just lifting period. And then we'll get into how you got into powerlifting. Okay. So I started doing like pushups when I was 11. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah, some kid was stepping on my toes or something. And I was fed up with him doing that. And he bragged to everybody that he was doing 50 push-ups a day. I think we were like 10, 11 years old. 
And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna start going 100 push-ups. <laughs> I, I thought you. 50. I thought you were gonna say I was gonna do fifty-one, yeah. but but you took it. You took it up and above. Like I gotta do twice as much if I'm gonna if I'm gonna whoop this kid's ass by the end of the year. I gotta catch up. Yeah. So I ended up catching up with him on strength and and size, you know, just from doing like twice as many push-ups as him. And then at that point, it just started getting. I just started doing more and more. I think. By the time I was in sixth grade, I was doing 400, 500 push-ups Holy a day. Holy smokes, man. Jesus. How long would that take you? Like in one city? Yeah, I did like sets of 50. I mean, I was like 100, maybe 190 to 100 pounds. You know, I, I, was, I wasn't very big, but... Damn, man, that is a lot of push-ups. I don't know if I've done that many push-ups in my life. Yeah, if you add them all <laughs> wow. Okay, so you were already on the fast track. You So obviously the determination was there, the discipline was there, and you did this daily as well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not every single day, obviously. But, you know, I tried to do it as many days as I could. Mm-hmm. I really started getting into lifting, though, um, when I was a sophomore in high school. I wanted to get stronger for football. So, like, weightlifting, and I uh, came across... Uh, Somebody pointed me out bodybuilding.com. This is when uh, all the programs and meal plans on there were free. Yeah. Yeah. So I came across Jay Cutler's Live in Large thing, and I was just mesmerized by how big he was. And I started getting into bodybuilding, actually. You know, I mean, not legit, like uh, with all the meals and everything, but I started following his workouts, and I really liked him just to get bigger and stronger for football. Mm -hmm. And actually, my friend, uh, tag him in all my videos. He's he's my training partner. He's actually the one that got me into powerlifting. Uh, I, cause he was into it. I remember we would argue about you know who was cooler, Ronnie Coleman or Dylan Green. Oh, da- <laughs> and, oh. who are you saying? <laughs> well, at the time I was arguing for Ronnie Coleman Ronnie and Jay Cutler, but now I mean I like powerlifting better, so yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go with Dan Green. Have you, let me ask you something. Have you seen the uh, Ronnie Coleman documentary on Netflix? No, I haven't. Oh, shit, man. Uh, that that is a watch. Did you see it? Oh, yeah. We, we talked about it. I, I, I wasn't, I couldn't remember if you saw it or if I told you about it and you're going to see it. No, no, I You yeah, saw it? Yeah. It, okay, so we'll go back. Uh, sorry to take us off track. I just wanted to see if you had seen it, but you got to watch it, my friend. It's, oh, um, yeah. it's rattling what where Ronnie is right now. Like, I don't know if you heard about it. Have you heard anything about it? Oh, I know he's, uh, he's been through a lot. Yeah, he's had a lot of hip replacements. Uh, hip, back. Knee. Knee, like he, man, he <laughs> is. Up. He's he is, the million dollar man at this point. He's, uh, he's been replaced everything he can. He's had his spine worked on so often with like plates, screws, etc. And it's so much scar tissue and so much steel in his back. He has to have another, he's walking on crutches 24-7, Oxycontin every single day, constantly. They have to do another back surgery. They can't go through his back. They have to go through the front and remove his organs to get to his spine. That's how intrusive, because his back is so mangled and they can't go through his back anymore. It's all, it's all metal. You know what I mean? So they have to like go through the front. Yeah, it's, it's rough, man. Um, it's no. rattling because he was, 
he lifted and they talk to him about like, like the doctors, like, why do you think this happened to him? And they say, because he lifted such heavy weights um, that it mangled his back. But we were saying in the discussion in the, in the last episode when we were talking about this, there are guys who lift far heavier than Ronnie Coleman and never end up that fucked up. You know, is that something that you ever think about? Like, have you ever had any injuries or? Yeah, um, the worst one I've had through powerlifting so far was, that still kind of bothers me now. Uh, Maybe four or five months ago, I had a hip avulsion fracture. I think it's from, uh, well, I went to the doctor and got an x-ray and there's like extra bone growth in my hip. I think it's from pulling my hip flexor when I was in high school. Mm. So it's just really painful when I, uh, I guess overdo it on, on like, uh, raw squats without reps, especially in my wider stance. So if I ever want to compete raw, I'm going to have to deal with that. Maybe bring my stance in a little bit. Mm. And I cut out, I found that leg extensions messes it up pretty bad because uh, well, specifically the one at my gym because all the pressure starts at my hip when I when I start the exercise. So I cut out those completely, and really having I, t- I had to take like uh, maybe two or three months off of squatting and deadlifting oh, last damn. year. So yeah, that'll set you back. Um, so the wraps actually alleviated it some. Yeah, the wraps actually take pressure off my hips at the bottom. So, uh, yeah, like when I, when I'm warming up from when I was uh, doing my knee prep and I was warming up in sleeves, uh, certain days it would, it would start aching. My hip would start aching until I put on wraps and it would be fine. So, yeah, I guess you could load the wraps at the bottom. I guess. Yeah. And then just alleviate a little bit. Um, so when you were in high school and you were having these debates and joining bodybuilding, I think most people, I think like. It's easier to get into just weightlifting to get bigger initially anyways. Well, let's face it. We all start off weightlifting because either, I'm going to say, like, either you've got somebody who's not bullying you, but you've got either, like, that sort of situation or you're trying to look better or... Yeah. It's all, like, that's the first... And 90% of us, let's face it, it's look better. Yeah. That's like you why we all get, got into it. Everybody wants to get muscular. Yeah. Like the guys you see on TV, whether it's WWE wrestlers, movie stars, whatever the shit. Exactly. Um... And then, so your friend, so how big were you around this time? Because right now, you're huge. So at the time, and you went from, and at one point, you were a 90-pound kid doing push-ups. When did you really start putting on this weight? Um, let's see. I probably started when I was close to being 17 years old in powerlifting. I think I weighed maybe around... 220, 215. Oh, shit. That's a big 17-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I had some, yeah, I had some terrible form when I first started. Like, there's actually still videos on my friend's YouTube because they're embarrassing to watch and they've got a ton of dislikes on them. (laughs) (laughs) See, so when you first started, was it just you and your boy like, okay, let's get into this powerlifting, and then um, just, like, coaching yourselves, trying to muddle your way yeah, through we, it? Uh, we would do so much. We wouldn't, like, we would train every single day. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we did so much volume, and, like, we would just train until we just 
were sick or, you know, just <laughs> literally couldn't make it to the gym. We didn't know what we were doing. And it, it's funny how much, you know, smarter we are now and how much far we've come. And we, we look up to, like, people like Eric and Pete Rubish and, like, George Lehman. Yeah. And never would have dreamed that, you know, I'd, I'd come this far and be training with Eric and be, like, really good friends with him and be so well-known in the industry now. So it's, it's a blessing. Do you know what happened to George Lehman? Uh, he's, uh, I think he's in Cambodia or Thailand now. Yeah, he went. I think. He just, like, disappeared to the other side of the world. And, yeah. um, like, I, it's like radio really? silence. At one point in time, George Lehman, for anyone listening, at one point in time, George Lehman was, like, one of the biggest deadlifters oh. we'd ever seen. Yeah. Like he, he was he was with uh, Mark Bell smashing like just massive weights. We were reposting the shit out of him. Yeah. And then um, so he up and left U.S. Went to either Cambodia, Vietnam, somewhere on the other side of the world. And, and you know he had some funny videos. Like he actually had a personality. You know, just like just he wasn't even necessarily just powerlifting, releasing videos that were funny. Um, his powerlifting videos were all inspiring because he's so strong. But um, he's like a, a social media character on top of being extremely strong. And then out of nowhere, boom, heads off to the other side of the world and pretty silent. I don't think he posts much at all anymore. Maybe once a blue moon. And I don't, do you know why he left? Um, not really. I mean, <laughs> I think he just wanted to travel, I guess. He's, he's, he's uh, got a bunch of real estate houses, so he doesn't really have to work. I don't know if he still coaches, but yeah, he's just chilling. On. There's, it's everything's cheaper over there too. So I mean, you could if you can make your money online somehow and stay over there, yeah. you got it made. Yeah, it's just it's weird because, um, like, if, if if he is got all this money in real estate, doesn't have to work. Like usually, weightlifting is just like a passion or something you do for fun, anyways, on the side. You think it would open up more weightlifting, but fuck, who knows what he's doing. But it was interesting for someone just to bam. I was gonna say when you're strong as George, yeah, it's uh, it just take maybe, off. Maybe just decided it. to find a new passion for a bit. Yeah, who knows, man? You can always come back. Um, so you guys started powerlifting, and when did you? Ha how old were you when you had your first competition? Um, I was 18 years old. First, first one I did was uh, push pull me, and uh, then I competed uh, one time full power. I totaled uh, 1735, 700 uh, squat and wraps, 385 bench, and uh, 650 deadlift. Oh, damn. And you're 18? I, you know, uh, hold on just a second. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. No worries. No worries. Yes, yeah, it's interesting. I honestly think hey, you're a little oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to interview right now. We'll pause it. Well, I actually want to look up. George Lehman now. Yeah. Because um, at one point, he was the man. Yeah, sorry about that. No worries, no worries. Um, yeah, so uh, so that was the first competition at 18. And then um, when you started really picking up steam, I think we started reposting you very shortly afterwards then because I remember you still being a teenager and you started really hitting your stride. Did you start, like, when did you start learning how to properly squat dead and your form started getting cleaned up? Um, probably, well, I did this, uh, Bulgarian squat method thing where like I, I tested a bunch of different forms, uh, at one point 
when I was 18 or 17. But I, I basically squat five times a week and like work up to. <laughs> I'd work up to like a single, a pretty heavy single. Uh, and I would do one day I would do a close stance low bar. The next day I would do like a a high bar squat. Then the next day I would do a wide stance low bar. And then the next day I'd do like a safety bar squat. And I, I found that the, the wide stance low bar and squatting like that every day got my form really well, like I got my form down pretty good. And I found that my wide stance was better. So, you know what? I mean, yeah, just that sounds like perfect for somebody starting out trying to find their technique and where you, where you want to be because every single day of the week, yeah, you get to check it out. Not, and not only do you get to check out all the different stances and bar positions, so you're going to really quickly find out, but you also, um, any, any kind of weaknesses you're hammering out as And if well. you're squatting five times a week, you're going to clean up your form pretty damn quick. Yeah, just to be efficient. Just, just to be efficient. But in turn, in turn I, I couldn't. No, go ahead. Yeah. I actually tried doing that twice. Uh, one when I was a little younger, but I would do the same form uh, every day. It was, a, it was a low bar squat every day, and I ended up, uh, and, and on top of that, I was uh, training for football, too, so I was running, and I ended up developing some high hamstring tendinopathy, which put me out for quite a bit. I think I was 17. So the next time, I decided to switch up squat forms, but, I mean, I only could do that for uh, maybe two or three weeks before I just started feeling like shit, so I, I just cut those out, too. But, I mean, it definitely helped my squat. So I don't regret doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what about the deadlift and, and the bench press? Because um, like I find in terms of setup for bench press, deadlift is it's technical, but when it's conventional, it's not as uh, tricky, I find, to pick up than like a bench press and a squat. How did you start working out those? Um, I'm still working on my deadlift form and my bench form, actually. I think my squat is the furthest along like as far as efficiency. Uh, I'm still working on, you know, trying to get my hips to not shoot up. It's a lot better now than it used to be. I used to rip it a lot, and there'd be a lot of comments about me tearing my bicep, and it really opened my eyes. I was like, yeah, I can't keep lifting like this if I'm going to be have longevity in the sport. So I started, you know, not yanking it so much, and I started, well, maybe about a year ago, I started taking my breath at the top, which really helps me stay tight. Uh, before like a single and then I, I mean my deadlift is pretty simple I just take a, a big breath at the top you know push out against my belt and then I'll rip the bar and you know get my back tight and then just pull it so yeah it's it's interesting you say the uh, the breath at the top I've messed around with both and I'm not man I'm still like I don't know which one I like better I'm a breath at the top guy but because a breath at the top when you're t- when you're upright, um, you can fill fill out more breath in there, so you get tighter. But I, th- I feel like when I'm on the bottom too, when I take a breath and then I pop through with the hips and hip pump it, I, it, it t- I guess it totally depends on your style. If you do a hip pump or you do a dynamic drop in and grab it, um, yeah. but yeah, it's a it is it is like the little things you got to keep doing over and over. So when when you started, because initially you were squatting five days a week. Were you benching and deadlifting much when you're squatting five days a week? Um, I didn't do that uh, Bulgarian program for a super long time, but uh, I would bench 
Yeah, I would also work up to something heavy on bench too. And uh, I would deadlift once a week because it's harder to recover from. Apparently, you could, like, there's a, oh, what's his name? Do you guys know who Greg Knuckles is? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's the one. He came out with this long, free uh, sample pack or program. I read it, and it made a lot of sense. A lot of weightlifters, I think it suits weightlifters better to squat every day. Mm. Uh, but it's basically a movement. It's so natural. You can do it every day. So, but in deadlifts, you really, you really can't. It's, it's not. And, and, you know, it takes longer to recover from. Yeah, and when you do, uh, yeah, it can definitely tax the nervous system. And when you do the squats and deads, um, and you're picking your weight, are you doing it kind of like an RPE range where you're, you're telling yourself, look, I want to have at least two in the tank here to make sure you're not frying out, especially when you're lifting so often, or? Um, well, I mean, I personally now, like looking back, I would, I would never do that, that program again. What are you doing now? Okay. So now I'm really only able to squat once a week and deadlift once a week and, uh, only going heavy like every other week. So I've gotten to the point now where it's just, it's just so hard for me to recover. Uh, also with, with working too, uh, I just, I can't get in there and squat more than two times a week. Even if like my muscles, uh, seem like they recovered, like I'm just, my power out output isn't as well if I just, if I take the whole week off. So I'm, I'm to the point now where I train four days a week and, uh, I'll, I'll do, uh, some light bench one day of the week and I'll bench heavy once a week. So I have two bench the upper body days and then uh, one day for like upper back and core and then one day for heavy squats, light deadlifts, alternate it with uh, heavy deadlifts, light squats every other week. Mm, okay. And that's, that's on Sundays usually. And then so that'll be pretty much every week's kind of looks the same like that? Yeah. And what when you pick when you're picking your weights, uh, do you use like an RPE method, or do you do percentage, or how do you establish the weights you're going to use for your top end? For like when I'm prepping for a meet, or um, let's say let's say prepping for a meet, but I'm also interested in hearing what you do in your off season as well. Okay, so um, I right now I'm doing a, a fifth set thing where like. Uh, you know, it's just four doubles and then an arm, uh, AMRAP with, with the same weight. And I mean, right now I'm just trying to get stronger, but during my meet, you know, I start, I start out with, you know, it's really nothing complicated. I start out with some about 85% of what I think I could pull and, uh, just do it as many times as I can. And, uh, I look it up on a rep calculator and I say, I get five or six reps and I, I see what it is on a rep calculator and then the next time I'll deadlift heavy so the next in, in two weeks I'll try to you know you know maybe keep getting better but add some weight and do one rep lower so the next week I'll do like five reps and I'll do five four three two one you know usually until my meet oh, okay yeah so just every week gets a little heavier and the volume goes down a little bit yeah the, the rep Gotcha. And you had said, um, based off your job, it depends, uh, the weight training you could do. W what do you do for a living? 
I fabricate and install countertops. Oh, so, okay. yeah. So it's a lot of like carrying stuff and just holding a saw and, and just, I don't know, it's, it's, you know, some days we get off late, so it's hard to make it to the gym when it's so late and got to get up early. How, how long are the days at work, roughly? Um, well, lately, we, we've been doing a lot of work, so uh, it just depends, I guess. Like, if we're out installing, uh, we might not get home until 8 or 9. Oh, dang. Or, or maybe not 9. Uh, sometimes 9, but, you know, I, I don't make it to the gym sometime, or on average till like, maybe 7.30 p.m., mm. so... Yeah. And um, being a guy your size, what kind of do you have to count calories? Like, what kind of calories would you consume in a day to maintain your size and your strength? Um, I need about at least five and a half or five thousand to maintain that's per day. Uh, decent size. That's a decent amount. Yep. Yeah, and to start putting on weight, I need over six thousand. So, uh, so at work, I don't. I don't have a lot of time to eat, so I just drink masticators in between meals, and those usually knock out like 1,200 calories. Because mm. I mean, I, I can't sit there and eat 1,200 calories, you know, in in 10 minutes. But yeah, I, I might yeah. be able to drink a masticator in less time than that. How do those? I've tried like when I was younger. I can't do it now because I'll go way down my weight class. But when I was like in, in <laughs> high school, I've had those masticators. I think most. Boys, anyways, yeah. when you're in high school and you're trying to, like, fast-track this, you're like, yo, check out this masking. Two scoops, and it's, like, a full-on... calories, yeah. yeah. Or more in, in, in a freaking... Yeah. In a drink. And I tried one, and, dude, it is, like... It was... It, it sits in your stomach, heavy to say the least, and runs through you, and was... Yeah. I, I don't know if it's changed, because I went to high school in the 90s, my man, so... It might be a whole nother ball game now, mass game. It's been a long time. But have you tried you've tried mass games? I mean, yeah. And you how, I was, you I was a tiny kid trying to get bigger as well. Yeah. Better, so. and, and what'd you find? I found the same thing. Like they were just they sat heavy, I never felt good afterwards. I couldn't eat afterwards. I couldn't yeah, it negated like I couldn't eat for hours because of it. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that? Like how are the mass gainers nowadays? Because it might be another ball game. Well, I've had to experiment with some and some uh, you know, will give you bad gas, and some are just like disgusting. So I've, I found a brand that I like. I don't even know what it's called, but <laughs> I always get the same the same one nowadays. It's it's easier to some of them like when you shake them up, they bubble too much. Yeah. And it's just you have to you have to sit there and wait for the bubbles to go down. Otherwise, you know that's all gonna come out some way. So. <laughs> yeah well that's well a, spoken yeah that's a bad indication right there because that's going in your stomach yeah oh yeah. That, you, that's not what you want to have before you go and squat yeah exactly so, yeah so yeah. right now what is your body weight uh probably 257 258 something like that so you're like, so you're comfortably are you resting in the 275 or you think about cut do you cut lower Oh, no, I've, I'm, I've never cut. Uh, I usually weigh, I mean, every meet I've done, I've usually weighed in the, the morning of. So, like, I, this last one, I weighed 261, mm. a little over 261. So, 
I don't think I'll ever go down to although I was looking at some uh, pictures and videos of me while still on my phone of like what I look like at 242 and I do kind of miss that but <laughs> I was I'm a lot stronger now you know uh, being angrier so I, could you do have you ever experimented with water cuts to see if you can make 242 not wait not actually walk around 242 even if you walked around almost where you're at and just water cut mm -hmm. it have you tried that or oh I know it's definitely possible but no I've never I've never yeah I've never tried that I've, I've all, I just don't want to mess up uh, like whenever I go into competition I'm not really thinking about my body weight I'm just trying to put up as big of a total as I can mm -hmm. so unless you know like I guess I, I mean the closest thing to world record right now that I could possibly get is a uh, all-time world record rap squat at 242, which is, I think, 915 now. So maybe if I could do a water cut to 242, but that's really the only reason I'd want to do that. That's a pretty good reason, one. though. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. That's, that's that's a, our world record's always a good reason. Especially all-time world record. Uh, what's, your, what's your best rap squat right now, single? Um, I did 937 in the gym, um, like, four weeks before my competition. My man. It's right there, then. Yeah. You got to be thinking about it. I mean, the thing with the water cut, with 24-hour recovery, they've done some tests on it. Um, if, you're, if you're doing two-hour weigh-ins, you, you can have a hit, and you might not rally back. But if it's a 24-hour weigh-in, they've done studies, and usually if it's rehydration, you could bounce back in 24 hours. Like You could feel like you're on death's door. And then 24 hours later, be like rocking and rolling like something else. And um, yeah. for you at around 260, um, like you could, you'll do 10, 15 pounds of water easy peasy. Even if you wanted to be like, oh, I'll drop like three, four pounds just to make it a little tighter. It's something to consider because once you get a world record on your, on your resume, boom, go. Mm -hmm. no one can ever take it from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that's just one down right there. Like speaking yeah. of, because now that we're on topic, what are some of your future goals? Well, what are some of the things you want to do? Well, uh, something that you know I'm kind of looking towards is uh, breaking Zaire's 275 uh, rap total, which is 2,452 pounds. Yeah. So I mean that's that's only six pounds lighter than Eric's 308. So it'd be cool to do that at 275 someday. I have. Uh, Right now, I mean, I have 15 pounds of body weight to play with. I know, I, I mean, I'm not going to get there anytime soon, but, I mean, I, I definitely can see myself if I continue uh, doing what I'm doing, breaking hey, that one day, hopefully. Begs the question, because you said it's only like six pounds less than Eric Lillybridge's. Would you down the road be going after your mentor's records? <laughs> um... I mean, I, I mean, I'll try, no doubt. That's right, <laughs> yeah. I don't think I, it's, it's, it's hard for me to gain weight. Uh, I, I, it, it's hard for me to think of myself being 308. Yeah. Uh, just cause like I feel so big now at 260 and that's 40 more pounds and we'll just have to see. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever want to get up to super heavyweight, but maybe 308. Yeah. I mean, all I have to do is weigh over 275. That's so, right. I was just yeah. about to say. You don't necessarily yeah, have to so. do, it would be really impressive for you to break the 308 world record weighing in at like 276. Now, if you were, yeah. to, go, if you were to go up and weight much more, would you think there'd be an actual gain for you? Like, or are you kind of maxed out in your leverages, you feel like, right now? 
Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I mean, obviously, if I would put on 20 pounds, like, in a couple months, then, or 30 pounds, you know, my deadlift would suffer. My bench would definitely go up. Mm. I know that. You know, I weigh myself before every bench day, and if I weigh a certain amount, I know how strong I might be. So, my bench and my squat would definitely go up if I put on 30 pounds, but my deadlift would suffer from... But, I mean, I don't, I don't want to do that necessarily. I, I'd, I'd rather, you know, take a couple of years to put on, you know, 20 pounds of real, yeah. uh, you know, muscle. And, but, I mean, I, uh, back to Eric, like, I don't, he's not, I don't think he's done yet. He, 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 still, had, he still has to total uh, 2,500. This is true. So, yeah. He might, by the time you get up there, he might have pushed it even further. This, yeah, that's, yeah, it's not like a direct, especially in powerlifting, records don't stay stagnant. You know, it's, mm-hmm. you don't want to eye a record right now. Think, oh, in three, four years, maybe I'll go for that record. That record won't be there. No, kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like you said, Eric's not slowing down, so you can only anticipate, almost project. But, um, I mean, so if you are thinking of adding weight, you know, you might want to drop to 242 while it's still possible. In a few years, that might be off the table. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the more, you know, the bigger I get, the farther away that's going to be. So. Yeah. At 21, uh, adding weight's got to be a lot easier as well. Yeah. Because you are still, like, you just turned 21. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have a plan in terms of, do you have an exit plan as well? Or do, are you just in this until, you know, you're going to take it as it comes? Because some people, especially heavyweights, when you're getting bigger and bigger and you're a big, large guy, uh, like, we've had yeah. guys on, like, Brendan Allen and well, whatnot. And that's what I was thinking about when I'm thinking about the weight thing was Brendan Allen talking about how at 350, he's... Yeah. At his optimal size and optimal strength at that point. And he said it feels like it wears on you. Like when you're a large man for that long, um, you know, eventually sometimes it's good to be like, all right, I'm going to hit my goals and I'm going to dial it back and drop back down. Do you have like an end date yourself or are you like, look, I don't know yet. I'm 21. We'll take it as it comes. I mean, I don't see myself uh, continuing to, you know, try and lift super heavy by the time I'm 30. But. You know, I mean, I'm always going to work out, but I mean, at that point, I think I'll, I'll probably focus more on my health and uh, how, how I look more than, I think, I think I should push it, you know, the serious numbers in the next nine years or eight years before yeah. I, you know, because I mean, I know, I know, how, you know, I mean, speaking of Ronnie Coleman, you know, and how heavy he lifted, I know how uh, bad it could be on your body, so. Yeah, there is, um, yeah, there is repercussions, yeah. and that's a weird thing about it. We're all different, right? It's just like the boxer who can have 100 fights, have no problems. And then the boxer who can have 20 fights, CTE, right? Like it's, you, you can't really call it until you get in there and you start playing around. But uh, for sure, that's the one thing with the heavyweights. They get the most uh, draw because they're so huge, larger than life human beings. You walk in a room, it's like, holy shit, look at that monster. And I'm the moving monster weight. On the flip side, it's tough being that big. Like all around from like, from... Food bill and all the just to maintain that Ooh. size costs a lot, both yeah. monetarily and on your body, um, due to like the weights being shifted, etc. And things change, like yeah. you said. Um, you know, it's funny how we talked about this before, Paul. How like added weight for some reason, whenever you unrack the weight, if it's squat or bench, the bigger you get feels nicer. But when yeah. you got to take it off the floor, it starts working in reverse. Yeah. Like you see guys like Ray Williams squat way more than they deadlift. It starts working against you for some reason, just the levers. You it's, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it gets harder and harder to get into place at some yeah. point, right? Yeah. 
there's definitely diminishing gains in terms of the dents. So it's kind of weird how it's like your body also has natural levers and it'll be diminishing gains as well where you're like, at this body weight, for every 10 pounds I gain in body weight, my total doesn't move that much. You know, there's like a, there's like a cap where like, I'm good right here. But uh, do, you talk to, do you talk to Eric Lillybridge about your future goals at all and you guys talk about what might be coming ahead? Um, I mean, a little bit, yeah. I think right now I'm just focused on getting strong. Like, like, are you talking about, like, uh, in the next several years or, like, as of just... Maybe even both. Know? Maybe even both. Does he guide you in terms of what competitions that are upcoming and you want to qualify for? And then even, oh. down, and even down the road, um, your overall goals as well. He, uh... He told me that I, if I wanted to do big dogs this year, I mean, I qualify for it. I just have to message the uh, the owner of the meet or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the, the qualifying total is 1,000 kg. So he, he lives right there in Australia, so he said he'd come help me if I, if I did decide to do that this year. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool to do that. I mean, I'd be... 100 pounds lighter than most of those guys. <laughs> yeah. so maybe not by that time, though. Maybe I'd, maybe I'd, I'd definitely put on some size if I was doing that week. Yeah, that, and it would, it would just be for experience, you know. Yeah, that's that's a huge competition. Um, and those are literally the big dogs of powerlifting. Oh, the biggest names. Yeah, the biggest names of the sport. Er, were you saying Eric lives in Australia now? Yeah. Oh, shit, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that either. Wow. Well, it is a freaking paradise. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. Oh, I know. <laughs> and, um, wow, I had no idea. Aside from the fact that everything down there wants to kill you, but. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And it would be kind of cool having your mentor there at the meet as well. But would he be, would he be lifting as well, though? Uh, I don't think he's planning on competing at Big Dogs this year, as far as I know. Oh. That's what I heard. But, uh, I don't know. Who knows? He could. You know, he could change his mind. He might yeah. change his mind. Yeah, plenty. it's right there in Australia, so. Yeah, and it's 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 all the biggest guys in the game. It's a big check. Yeah. I think I think uh, what his his main thing is that he does want to hit the twenty five hundred total, and it's really difficult to do that at that meet because it's only one flight of lifters, uh, and they they move through it pretty fast. Me and my friend actually just sat there and watched it like all the way through. They didn't get. They didn't really give them, you know, too long of a break. It's not like a full, you know, meet where there's three or four flights of, of guys and you have a lot of recovery time. So it's a little more difficult to put up, you know, your best total. Yeah, so. yeah, and also, uh, I mean, the travel and stuff. Like you'd want to probably go ahead of time because that is like a day in a plane. Yeah. Oh that is, yeah. Oh, that's the that, worst that, as possible. That flight kills you. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's the thing that's most. Uh, going to be bothering me about that. Especially a man your size. I pity, yeah. I pity, the, the only guy I pity more is the guy who's got to sit beside you squished into the side of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> they see you, they're like, listen, man, you can't take the middle seat. Uh, you got to, <laughs> we got to negotiate here, my man. But uh, yeah. how, like, how bad are flights when you're a guy your size? Uh, I haven't been on a plane in a couple of years, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't, I've never been on a plane at this size. You know, last time I was on a plane, I was under 200 pounds, so. Oh, wow, damn, <laughs> man. Must have been forever ago. Because when you yeah. said you flew Lilybridge, like, a lot of people take these things for granted. But, like, talking to TD was on this show, like, a while ago. 
Um, and he's like a, like a huge bencher in the IPF. He's 420 pounds. And he, he's had to fly to like Japan, which is a fucking brutal flight. Um, and he was saying like, it, like when you're that size, little thing, like you gotta buy two seats. You know, like you can't like, life is different when you're a 400 pound man. You know, a lot of things change that people don't realize, whether like just cars. He can't buy normal cars. You can't hop in, like, just hop in the back with your boys and you're going downtown. Now, I can't get in the back of a vehicle. I can't get certain Ubers. Like, life, like, is totally different for men like this size. And uh, I guess uh, you're not... Yeah, I mean... Even then, like, you're not 400. Not you're still big. Yeah, yeah. Not quite 400, but you're yeah. definitely not small. How tall are you? I'm about 5'11". Oh, so that's packed onto a, a an under six yeah. foot frame. That's still yeah. pretty thick. It's still pretty thick. Amongst your boys, are you definitely like the biggest one? Um, like my I don't have too many friends, but yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> Do you have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters. Uh, like, is the rest of your family also big? Or are you by far the outlier? Uh, I, I weigh more than twice as much as any of them. <laughs> <laughs> my dad is actually a marathon runner, so oh. he's not very big at all. And my mom is, is pretty small, too. And both my sisters are small, so they really, I mean, I eat more than all of them combined. Yeah, I bet, man. Yeah. Your dad's probably like, when are you moving outside? Because I can't afford you. I feel like I got, I feel like I got a horse that I own and I'm feeding. Um, and he's a marathon yeah. runner, which is the total opposite. But the thing is, I've read a lot about like marathon runners. And uh, does he still compete today, even? Oh no, he's uh, he's he's getting pretty old now. I think they had me when when they're pretty old. So. Gotcha. Yeah, because um, marathon runners, in terms of their prep and their training, is like a whole other level in terms of mental fortitude. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, if you talk, like, I'm sure you probably had conversations with your dad in terms of, like, there's nothing, they say fatigue makes cowards of us all. And when it comes to sports, you know, powerlifters, we never really get to feel that. Like, you don't fatigue like that. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, when you get that tired and you got to keep going, there's still, like, 10 more miles to go, and you're, you're yeah. already tired, like, it's a whole nother ballgame in terms of mental fortitude. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Even the training, is, the yeah. training is absolutely, it's, it's, it will break you. I try to run, I get a kilometer in, and I'm like, I'm done. This is it? Yeah. It's, it's, my mental fortitude yeah. for that is not, that's just not there. Did, does some of that work ethic come from your old man? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think so. Have you ever seen him run? Um, it's been a while, but yeah, I mean, he'll still go out and run, you know, but he won't run. Have you seen him compete, yeah. though? Like, have you seen him in a marathon? Or was that before your time? Uh, I, no, I, I haven't seen him run marathons. Okay, yeah, because that'd be pretty cool too to see. Um, well, I know you're only 21, but some a question we always ask everybody on on these podcasts when we have them on for the first time: When all is said and done, how would you like to be remembered in the powerlifting? Um, that's a tough one when you're 21, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just want people. You know, I just. I guess I want people to see, you know, I, I gave it my all, and uh, obviously I want people to know that I, I got some world records on my belt, too. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Leave your mark, my friend. Yeah. Is there, is there, is there um, anybody you'd like to thank um, before, before we let you go? And also, how can people reach you if they're trying to find you on social media? Um, I, 
I want to thank you guys for having me on here. This is kind of fun. Thanks for coming on, sir. Uh, yeah. Like, also, so. thank, yeah, thanks so much for reposting my videos. That means a lot. You, can, you guys give me thousands of followers. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Yeah. That's what we're here for. Um, we're trying to help guys, uh, you know, get exposure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my Instagram is at Andrew Haas, just my name, H-A-U-S-E. And um, I've got a YouTube, too. I post a little more on my YouTube like warm-up sets and everything. Mm. It's powerhouse. Just power and then H-A-U-S-E. I'm thinking about uh, starting to maybe offer some online coaching. Um, I'm going to slowly work into that. Uh, I think to be able to compete with, uh, you know, the top guys like Larry and uh, all of them, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to work this, this job. So i got to slowly figure out how to transfer over into making a living off through online coaching so I can uh, have more time to recover and, uh, you know, eat. So Yeah. Yeah, that's a hell of a bill. It'll, it'll definitely help to have a little online coaching on there. So people just, if they're interested, just message you through Instagram then? Yeah. Oh, well, I'll offer it on my Instagram first. I'm not, you know, I got to just figure out all that right now, like how yeah. to set it up and everything. So... But, I mean, just stay tuned is, is what I'm really saying. That's it. Stay tuned. This is yeah. a little teaser for everybody. All right, listen, yeah. man. Thank you for coming on. Much appreciated. Love to have yeah. you back. And um, keep us in the loop. We're going to keep reposting you regardless. But if you end up doing yeah. big dogs and all the all the possible world records in the future, um, by all means, man, shoot us in the loop. And you can always come back. Doors always open, my friend. Yeah. Thank you. No problem. Have a good day, sir. Thank you have for your time. You too. All right. Yeah, you know what? I think his approach to, you know, we asked a question before we had him on in terms of dealing with pressure with like Eric Lilly Bridges' um, apprentice, so to speak. You almost got to like just take it, you know, day by day. Yeah, you take it day by day, day and stride. Like, Don't overthink it, essentially. No, just enjoy the ride. I, I do like how, so at 21, he's got an end game of 30. It doesn't always stick. By the time you get to 30, you have other things you want to do or you realize like, I, I just, I don't want well, to. 21, 30 feels like fucking forever though. Like that's. It will, nine years. Yeah. Even like nine years down the road. Like whenever you're thinking anywhere close to a decade down the road, you don't know how you're going to feel. When you get there, like 30 is still, like for powerlifting, it's, we might not even be as prime. No, a, lot of people, a lot of people are just hitting their prime in power. I didn't even sure. start. I just started. I didn't even start powerlifting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my 30s. Yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. So we'll see when he gets there, but it is a little different when you're a heavyweight and you got to carry that weight. And by the time he's 30, he might be, like, he probably will be much heavier. Well, and especially when you're lifting the weights that he's lifting. Like, it's yeah. just... You're going to be... Like wear and tear on your body. You're going to be feeling it. Yeah, you're, it's going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be different. You, the decisions you got to make, and if he's, you know, 250-something, 260 at 21, by the time he's 30, it wouldn't be at all crazy to think 300. Yep. Um, and when you're 5'11", 300 pounds, moving that kind of weight, he might be like, you know what? I don't, you know, I don't got to be Ronnie Coleman. I don't, I don't want to be that guy. I'm good. Yeah. And he's got nine years. Look, at he's right close to a world record now at 21. By the time he's 30, how many world records has he tasted? How many big competitions has he hit? How many of those big dog checks, you know, down the road, if not big dogs, whatever yeah. competition checks um, has he picked up? He might, who knows? He might be like, I'm good. I'll, I'll, I will stop lifting because, you know, when you, when you do this, you get the bug. There's something about shifting some weight. You know, feeling the pump, getting a little tired. You know, tiredness. It, it, that's what I try to explain to people who don't, aren't gym goers. They're like, whoa, like, how do you get motivated? Motivated. I, I enjoy it. 
the process. I enjoy the feeling of the burn and the muscles and feeling oh, 100%. the percent I mean, myself personally, I go through the, men the, the mental side of things. I like, go through the waves of why am I doing this or starting to think like, what's enough? Yeah. Well, that's but, more, for myself, that's more like if I'm lifting heavy and it becomes mentally daunting every week when you're peaking, got to be more and more. But I mean, if you took off that and it was just, I'm lifting for a pump, like the old school bodybuilding oh, style days. You're talking about the bodybuilding days? Oh my God. They're... I'm, how I will never you, stop doing that. No, it, like how much you, and how do you if you just go in there? I had a fucking amazing shoulder day, <laughs> but you just smashed shoulders, tore them apart, and you're like the next day you're like, oh, I feel sore, but it feels good. Yeah. It's like, uh, and I like being fatigued afterwards. Like I smashed arm day, hour and a half of buys tries and just ruined them. And but there's something about that feeling I, afterwards. I miss those days sometimes. You know, or just like I mean it still blows my mind that at one point my training was like I would go in and do an hour and a half or two hours of arms. Yeah. But I would. But I would. I would have chest back day, arm day, yeah, yeah. hell yeah man. And um, I can totally see it where if you get if you get older, injury certain amount and it's like look I'm shifting heavy, heavy weights. Uh, loading it up on your spine, you know, eventually if it catches up to you, but I can never, I can see myself pulling back on that, Yeah. but I can never see myself not lifting. Like, I, I don't care if it's not like competing powerlifting, I need to shift some weights. And it isn't for me a disciplined thing getting into the gym. It's, I enjoy moving some weights. Yeah. Having that feeling. I'm the same way. You know, and after a power, nothing fatigues you like a good powerlifting day where you're squatting and deading and benching and et cetera. I also enjoy getting the angst out and feeling a little body tired and be like, oh. When I don't have it, it's, it, it bothers. Like, my arm's been, uh, I hurt my elbow, and it's been, like, grappling. And, um, like, the last, I tried to, like, not squat for a week. And by the end of that week, I was getting antsy as shit. Yeah. From, like, sleeping to everything, I was getting oh, that's antsy. That's like, anybody asks me that whenever you do a competition, like, I had back-to-back -back competitions in a pretty tight time frame. Everyone was saying, like, we're going to take time off now and that. It lasted a week. Yeah. And then and like, after that week, I was like, okay, I need to be back at something. 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 If not the um, intensity physically on your body and nervous system and intensity mentally because you have something over, it's, I still got to squat though. I still need some kind of yeah. direction. I don't care if it's a, anywhere near the peaking weights. I'll pull the weights back, but in some kind, even a direction where I'm squatting this this week, next week I'm going to go a little heavier, next week a little heavier. doesn't have to be anything crazy, but I need something. I need some kind of direction and... Um, I want to shift some weight, some for real weight. Yeah, for some people, it's not a job. It's not hard. It's not a, a motivational thing. Yeah. But, uh, but blessed, yeah, so I totally understand what he's saying. He thinks he might go back to that. Uh, good interview with one of Powerless Things, Rising Up, Upcoming Stars. Definitely a dude to watch. Um, and, yeah, if I was going to give him any advice, drop down to 242, snag that world record. If anything I've noticed is records fall in this sport so fast. And if you ever have a window of opportunity, take it. Yeah. Because you don't know when you're going to Especially as you said, like, right now, he can cut down to 242 pretty easy. Yeah. That don't, another another year from now? The window closes. Yeah. And you, like, in, in terms of other world, well, there could be other world records. There could. But you don't know what Lily Bridge is going to push the 308 record to. You don't know what, like, Larry Wheels and shit will push the 275 record to. Like, guys come out of nowhere. Larry Wheels... Two years ago, no one knew. Came out of nowhere is rewriting history. Take these while they're there and don't take for granted they'll always be records yep. around. Because you never flip and no. You never remember, know when the next 21-year-old comes up and starts smashing shit. It, it happens all the time in our sport. Yep. I remember talking to our friend uh, Chris Almond. There was a national deadlift record 
And um, he's like, I think I'm going to wait until provincials. And I was like, my friend, um, like Eric Willis is at provincials, and sometimes he goes up to 120, and his deadlift was bigger. Um, There's another guy at provincials, uh, Jason Burney, Jason who ended up deading well into the 800s. And yep. Chris, Chris was a mid-700 guy puller. And I said, if you have an opportunity, a national record, you take it and you take it now. And you got to fly out to uh, Newfoundland to snag it, yep. snag it. Because when the door closes, that record may, right now it's in reach, it may never be in reach again. And he took it, and then my God, very quickly afterwards, the record went from mid-70s, it was early 70s, to 700, sorry, yep. to now it's into the 800s and it's never coming Well, back. it was like months later, yeah, Jason Burney pulled 800 and that was it. And, 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 and Chris, is, he's, he's gunning, but... He's, he's never pulled 800, not in a competition, not in the gym. Um, and, like, if he ever does, like, it's, it's tough. That window's closed. It looks like, conceivably, it looks like it's closed. And if ever there is, and the rafters are telling me, you were so fucking right. And I'm telling you, if anyone listening, if you're ever close to whether it's state, provincial, national, world record, international record, whether it's North American, whatever the shit, get it now. Don't tell yourself, I'll wait. You know, ah, we'll see. We'll yep. see. That, not in this sport, my friend. Not in any no, sport. I was really. going to say, forget sports. Just don't wait when there's an opportunity. You know what? That's well said, too. Not even just yeah. sports, period. Don't act like it alone. It won't always be there. Doors, I think the older you get, the more you realize. You look back and you're like, I left something on the table and I should have did this, I should have did that. If there's anything I can impart on someone younger, don't. Just, you have there are ever, so many opportunities that I gave up when I was younger because I thought, ah, I'm young, it'll come again. It doesn't. No. It doesn't. Other opportunities that are different, but that was it. You know, in so many things in life, it's like, fucking just go. And if you don't get it, you don't get it. And you can look back and rest it. You, that can, you can put, be at peace with it. But, uh, yeah, for everything, man. But, uh, yeah, anyways. Anyways, we're going on a whole philosophical angle. Of, yeah, but it's an hour, an hour and 20 minutes into this. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in. Six-pack lap it at. Paul Moranzen underscore lifts. Till next time.